The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. So happy you're tuning in. Great conversation today with uh, Vinny Gerace. A local consultant here with a company that he's called Wired Within. And I saw Vinny 10 months ago when we were both at a leadership uh, summit where we both presented. And after watching his outstanding presentation, um, I said, I knew I got to get this guy on the show. And Wired Within is all about helping people maximize their potential, tapping into our God-given inner design so that despite whatever obstacles or whatever circumstances we're faced with, we can still reach significant, some sort of achievement that we otherwise wouldn't have been possible. And I love that. His, their mission of the company is, is to put people, organizations on a path of, of self-discovery. I'll let him explain it much more in this conversation where we explore the power of emotional intelligence, the power of communication. And the whole idea is like when we're, no matter in both personal or professional lives, um, we got to get that right. And it starts with us first. You've heard me talk about that on the show, how the power of self-awareness is tantamount. It's a cornerstone to successful leadership. And Vinny, it really is the Sherlock Holmes for people to understand who they are and how they communicate. And that's the key because it's all about communication, right? And once we get that personal understanding, that self-awareness of ourself right, then we can move into the relationship side and understanding, again, the key part of successful leadership is, is the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes and see their perspective. And when you can, as Vinny talks about in the show, then whatever they're saying, no matter if it's personal barbs, we can kind of understand where they're coming from. And then, of course, once you get the relationships right, then you can start moving into the, the, the professional side. And Vinny's contention is, and I agree with him 100%, is that a lot of the dysfunction we see in business can be traced back to the dysfunctions in our relationships and in our personal life as well. So it all starts with us, and and Vinny is the master at uh, unlocking that potential. You're really going to enjoy this conversation. Hey, this show is brought to you by my brand new sponsorship, my brand new partner, FreshBooks. I am so excited to have them on board. I just started using uh, their on online cloud accounting software. And I don't even like to use the word accounting because you hear that word and it scares you. I tell you, this is a perfect combination for self-employed uh, entrepreneurs like myself. You know, this is a side hustle for me. I am a full-time pilot and I was looking for something uh, that could keep track of my business and keep me, you know, get the invoicing right, keep track of my taxes, um, get me paid quicker. And FreshBooks makes it ridiculously easy for me. I cannot emphasize that enough. Their software completely transformed how I run Dose of Leadership and, and my day-to-day paperwork. It has been a godsend. So stick around and stay tuned halfway through the show. I'll introduce a, um, uh, more details about FreshBooks 
and how they're offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to all of you out there if you just go to freshbooks.com slash dose and enter Dose of Leadership in the How Did You Hear About Us section. All right, more to follow on FreshBooks. But for now, here's a great conversation with Vinny Gerace from Wired Within. Well, Vinny, so excited to have you on the show. Welcome to Dose of Leadership. Thank you. Vinny, Thank I saw, you for having me. Yeah, I saw you, I guess it was back in March earlier this year. I saw you speak at the Wigand conference here in town, and I'm happy to find out you're local. And I, and I was speaking to your sister, and I said, man, I've got to get you on my show because you were speaking my language. How did you get involved uh, in this type of business? How, what, what got you started in it? Well, actually, I didn't start in business. I started in the church. Uh, leadership in the church is uh, quite a bit uh, more complex than leadership in business. Right. I had a man challenge me on that one time. He says, what's the church got to teach me about leadership? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, uh, in business, you pay people to follow you. In the church, we pay people to lead us. Right. So they have to be good at what they do uh, because we're paying them to do it. Right. How many of your people would follow you if you didn't pay them? Right. And that put it in perspective for them. So I started in leadership development in the church and understanding how to shape the ethics of a person at the same time that you're teaching them the technical skills of things like how to read the Bible and understand it and things like that. So there's a technical aspect to their job, but there's also an ethical aspect to their job. And then there's the physical accomplishment of tasks that goes with any organization. And so that head, heart and hands model of uh, transforming people and how it connects to the three parts of truth and uh, how to mobilize people at the same time that you're training them, all that stuff I learned doing uh, leadership development in the local church. Yeah, it's a, it's funny to me. It's, you know, I've had uh, spiritual leaders, pastors on this show. And it's funny when you do a search for leadership on when I, I remember starting the show five years ago and you do a search on leadership on podcasts and it's always about within the church. And like, there seems to be this like separate dynamic, like, well, and I know you, you said that it's, there are differences there, but I mean, leadership is leadership. And why do we see it so dysfunctional in church, but at the same time, uh, a different type of dysfunction in business? Does that make sense? I mean, there, it seems we try to separate it, but to me, it's almost what you learn in the church and what you kind of found out there can be applied in, in every aspect of life, right? Yes. In fact, I don't see very many differences between the struggles between leaders right. in a local church and the struggle between leaders in a business. It's just that the rules and parameters of what you can say and what you can get away with are a little different. Explain. Uh, there's um, a lot of social constructs around the, the church leader that don't really exist around the business leader. If, if he doesn't want to pay attention to those things, he can blow past them pretty fast. It all has consequences, however. You know, you start breaking social norms and that has consequences. You start... Uh, getting into this area that uh, we're going to talk about today about emotional intelligence and how your actions impact other people and knowing how they impact other people before you take them. That's the whole concept behind emotional intelligence. Right. I would argue that the emotional intelligence piece is probably um, 
it seems when I've done coaching or talking with organizations, they don't spend a lot of time on it, but it really is probably one of the strongest prerequisites for effective leadership. Don't you agree? I would agree. In fact, uh, in most organizations that I go into, I try to train them to understand job assessment from two different perspectives. One, what is the technical skill set value add of an employee? And then what is the team impact of that employee? And if you've got a person with low social intelligence or low emotional intelligence, and they're out there and they're creating damage to the team constantly because they're unwilling to consider the emotional impact of their actions and they don't know how to strengthen people emotionally to accept those actions as adults, they can have enormous technical skill, but their overall value to your organization could be quite limited. Now, you have the opposite that's true too. You can have people who are charming, they're persuasive, they get people to get along, right. strong in emotional intelligence, they, they're good at understanding how to move people to do things, and yet their technical strengths are not that strong. And those people don't tend to hit the glass ceiling as low as the other person. Both of them will hit a glass ceiling eventually. You, in the end, you have to have both. But, why is- uh, but the person who has the emotional social intelligence uh, developed to a greater degree, he won't hit his glass ceiling quite so low. Right. That makes sense. But why does it seem particularly in business and large corporations, this press, this drive for this, I don't know, driver mentality or driver personality, which seems to be lacking in a lot of emotional intelligence, thinking that this has got to be the way to success, i.e. it's all about results. I hit you over the head with a wiffle ball bat to get the results. Why does that seem to be the prevalent um, mindset in business? Unfortunately, it is the prevalent mindset. There is a uh, dynamic that happens after you get about 30 people working together where in order to capitalize on market opportunity, you need a courageous person to be influencing that group of people to take a step forward. Sometimes that courage just comes out of a crazy self-confidence that they can take on the world. You know, they're going to they're going to charge this five alarm fire with their cup of water. Uh, and sometimes they get lucky. Uh, I had a friend who works in uh, military intelligence and he wrote a paper to the Pentagon. And in there, he, he wrote about his concern that confidence was supplanting competence in the military leader. He called me when he was writing the paper and he said, why is it that these strong-willed, hard-charging people end up in the positions of leadership that they do sometimes when they lack the competency to make the decisions commensurate with their level of authority? And I said, honestly, that same problem exists outside the military and business. uh, And it really comes back to... uh, that dynamic that exists within any body of people, once that body of people reaches 30 or more, where they need to see courage uh, in, a, in a leader. And uh, a hard-charging, high-goal-oriented person tends to step out with courage, even when they don't fully understand the situation or the opportunity. 
Yeah, you see that even, you know, I remember, I've talked about it on the show before, I remember when I was in the Marine Corps and first started at the, at the uh, infantry school for six months, and we did these uh, peer evaluations, we did three of them. We did one after the first month, we did one at the halfway point, and then we did one in the last month. And it was interesting, I actually wrote a paper about it, how in the beginning, the people that got ranked in the top third were those people you just mentioned, the people that kind of stepped forward with that extreme confidence. And it kind of fit that image of what we all thought a leader in the Marine Corps should be. What was interesting, as the pressure got harder, and at the end, there was a 10-day war where you didn't sleep hardly at all for 10 days, and you only ate one MRE a day. And it was interesting that a large majority of those in the top third, when the pressure was on... Um, they kind of folded under that pressure. And it was those quiet, calm, confident ones that, you know, rose to the top over time. And it was interesting to see that dynamic. What are your thoughts on that? Well, you see that, um, I I would confirm all of that. You see that in business, but you see it when the market is shrinking or retreating from a company. Mm -hmm. That kind of rattles that high goal um, person because, they can't seem to figure out how to grab the brass ring and it's very disconcerting to their confidence. Whereas your competence person tends to be more methodical. Their drive is hidden behind their discipline. Right. And so what happens is their discipline comes to the fore and sometimes they can make more out of the retreating market than that hard charging leader can. Right. In fact, what I counsel, um, C-level teams with is when your market is shrinking, you need to pay close attention to the, what we call the high order or high detail leader, because they know how to preserve results. They know how to streamline without losing core competencies. Mm -hmm. When your market is expanding or there's opportunity in front of your company, you need to listen to those high goal leaders because they're opportunity focused. They know how to maximize the opportunity. So you have to have both. You have to have competency and you have to have this social emotional intelligence. Uh, But even within your hard charging leaders, you have those two types. You've got the one that's um, disciplined and controlled and methodical, and you've got that hard charging go-getter, what we call a courage-based leader. I think the sweet spot is, is if you can be, be that in intensity of, have that large intensity of will, you know, that high drive, that high intensity coupled with a tremendous sense of humility, a humble, teachable spirit, you know, that, that combination is the ultimate. And it, and it seems again, if, if you consider yourself more introverted or not being the one that's going to step forward when, you know, they ask for the the volunteer parents to run the, the snack drive or whatever, there's always that hard charger that steps forward, right? That wants to run the snack drive. Uh-huh. But maybe the best leader is the one that didn't speak up for the long term. I don't know. How do you, how do you, if you are that, that kind of behind the scenes, more methodical, more disciplined, what advice would you give to somebody that's in an environment that is full of a lot of drivers of hard chargers? And I, and I don't want it to make it necessarily the difference. What's the difference between introversion and extroversion and what's better or what's not. But I, I seem te- seem to have, I'm more uh, compassionate to those introverts because I find myself in that situation more than not where I should have spoke up, but I didn't. What advice would you give to those that, that are probably the better leader, but 
not speaking up? What we teach is that it requires a full spectrum of skills to run a business well. Your competency expert has to constantly be informing that hard-charging confidence-based leader or that confidence-based leader is going to make promises that your company can't deliver on. Right. And so having a strong enough relationship with that hard-charging spokesperson type leader, getting them to understand the nature of the business that they are leading, what can be done, what can't be done, how soon things can be done. Those are, that's key information. Now, if they knew how to communicate that information quickly, succinctly, and in a motivational fashion, they would be the key leader. They would be that high confidence front point person. But most of the time they don't. So what I would do is I would counsel the, what we call a level five goal score leader, that you need to be listening to these competency-based people. Right. At the same time, we would be training the competency-based people how to abbreviate the wealth of their knowledge into statements that the uh, front person can actually use. Right. Because the way that divide falls apart typically is the hard charging leader says, look, I don't have to, I don't have to know all this stuff. You keep telling me I have to know this and this and this, and it never comes up in the business conversation. So they feel like they're having to read the encyclopedia to get the definition. And you, so you've got to teach the competency-based leader to give the succinct definition, to give the parameters of the idea, so to speak, rather than dumping the entire encyclopedia. At the same time, you've got to be training the leader in the front not to dismiss that competency-based leader if he can't do that. The abbreviation has to take place somewhere. Right. I like that approach. I think in the past what I've seen or, or what I've seen – attempted and I've even attempted myself is that I have, if, if I'm more of that competency-based leader, then I got to, I've got to somehow be more like, you know, the upfront, the in-charge guy. Hmm. And the problem with that is, is that it kind of goes against my natural strengths because I'm a bet on your strengths type guy instead of trying to fix your weaknesses. But what you just laid out there isn't really fixing your weaknesses. It's, 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 Knowing your strengths. Knowing your strengths and more importantly, being able to communicate those strengths to that so that the in-charge leader can hear it and understand it, right? Yes. Yeah. Now, the in-charge leader can do that translation, but he's going to have to work at it. The competency-based leader can do that translation, but he's going to have to work at it. So the question is, who's going to be mature and work at it? And who's just going to insist that it be done their way? Because that's, that ends up being what happens. Hey, we'll get back to the conversation in just a moment, but I wanted to take this time to talk about my brand new partnership, my sponsor, FreshBooks.com. FreshBooks has totally transformed how I run my business here at DoseOfLeadership.com. As you know, I've been doing this for almost five years. I am a full-time pilot at American Airlines, but I produce this show. I do all my consulting and my speaking on the side, and FreshBooks has made it super easy, ridiculously easy, and more efficient, more productive, and more organized when it comes to getting paid, keeping organized, knowing how much taxes that I owe at the end of the year. 
it is all about the invoicing. They've created a super intuitive tool better than anything I've ever seen, and it makes creating and sending invoices so easy. I can create and send invoices branded to the Dosa Leadership brand in about 30 seconds. No formatting, no formulas, simple, clean, professional-looking invoices at the click of a button. And what I love most of all about this is the insight that it gives me because I know exactly when I email the invoice, it shows me whether they've seen it or not. And all on one dashboard, it tells me the ones that are in draft, the ones that have sent, and the ones that have been paid all in one location. And what I really love is the online payment feature. Instead of waiting for checks in the mail like I used to do, now, which is literally slowing down my cash flow, now in two clicks I can set myself up to receive my payments online. So now I'm getting paid a lot faster. Cash flow is king. I love it. Look, it all starts with the invoicing, but actually FreshBooks has so many features that keeps you organized. I talked about the dashboards, the notifications, the support. Man, amazingly helpful. Super friendly with zero attitude. One of the best customer support aspects of any business I've ever dealt with. Automated late payment reminders, mobile expenses, expenses, time tracking. You can scan your, your um, receipts. I love FreshBooks. And I hope you check those guys out. I'm so glad to be partnering with them because they are the best. They are offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to all of my listeners out there. And to claim it, you just got to go to freshbooks.com slash dose and enter dose of leadership in the how did you hear about us section. Go check them out, freshbooks.com. They will totally transform how you run your business. Therein lies, I was going to say, therein lies the rub because, and that's where you see a lot of that, I guess, dysfunction because it's so difficult to communicate. Again, and it goes back to emotional intelligence. Your emotional quotient, if it's high, you're going to have that ability to adapt and communicate more effectively. And then yes. it begs the questions like, it, can, it, can it be taught? I mean, obviously, I think it can, but I'm just listening to like to hear your thoughts on how can it be taught and how can you effectively teach it? Well, we believe there's something called the uh, maturity spectrum. And it's a maturity of how focused... A person is on the needs and desires of other people, starting with infancy, where their need is somehow your responsibility in their little minds, all the way to the self-sacrificial leader who's doing good for all, uh, knowing that they're spending their life on the best possible things. Right. And in between there, you, you basically have 11 maturity positions on the scale. Anything higher than a five is considered mature. Right. Um, the most mature leader is the one who does the adapting. Right. Because they are concerned about you being fully utilized in your skills. So they're going to do the work of making sure you give great value to the organization. Now, in our scenario that we've been talking through, it could be either one of those two people. It could be the competency-based leader looking at the upfront leader saying, I need to make this man the best upfront leader he can be. Yep. Or it could be the upfront leader looking at the competency leader saying, I need to make this competency leader the best leader he can be. And that comes down to how focused are you in spending your life's energy bettering the situation around you in this world? And you've got full-grown adults who are way down at level three in entitlement. And then you've got, 
you know, young people who are amazingly mature, who could be at six or seven or eight on the scale, sacrificing for the good of others. Well, that's, I agree with you. And I think it's all about adding value. I mean, if you're going to be a leader of influence, you have to, at some point, realize that every transaction that you come across in any situation is an opportunity for adding value, for leadership development, for growth. And so if, if you're in an organization where you, and I've worked at them where you had that high driver mentality at the top, that was probably at a two or a three on your maturity level scale. Yeah. And what you're saying really resonates with me because when I tried to approach it as kind of complaining around the water cooler and if, and just saying, well, gosh, my life would be so much better. And so would this organization, if I just didn't have such a dysfunctional baboon at the top. But then when I started shifting and doing what you said, how can I, okay, I don't like this guy, but if I can establish a professional relationship with him and I, how do I make him be the best leader that he can be, things started to turn around. Those people, if they're, if the leader that they're supporting is not a mature person, staying focused on making that person the best person that they can be uh, will usually cause them to move out of that organization to a greater opportunity. Because when other companies do business with that company, they see the immaturity of the primary leader and they see the maturity of the competency leader behind him. And eventually they want to do business with that second guy. That's so true. And you see it constantly mm-hmm. to the point that they'll try to hire that person out or that they'll, you know, suggest to another company, you should go hire that guy's second in command because that guy is really good. So that's the alternatives, right? I mean, you just laid it out. I mean, we can either leave or if we're invested in the company, do what we just talked about. Either way, the third option of kind of complaining about your lot isn't an, isn't an acceptable one. Right. So we talk a lot about adaptability. We have an assessment that measures skill sets. And uh, the skill sets for that primary leader who gets out in front, likes to be out in front, has the confidence to charge hard and is persuasive in the way that they move other people to believe in what they can accomplish. We call that person, uh, they score 5353 on the particular assessment that we use. We call them the 5353 leader. Then we go to the people and we say, look, you may be a lead, you, you, you want to be a leader, but you don't have this skill set. I'm telling you, leadership is momentary. It's situational. And if you can recognize the situation as needing leadership, you can temporarily, for just a few moments sometimes, shut down your natural way of dealing with things, shift into this 5353 pattern. And you become the leader that that group of people expects you to be, and they fall in behind you. So it's momentary adaptation. But if the maturity level is not high enough, they don't care what those other people think. Right. And so they won't do the adaptation. I love what you just said. I mean, that resonates deeply with me, what you said. You're absolutely right. And and when and I think it, it gets to the core of what you said why people don't get into leadership roles is because their perception is, oh, I don't have all the answers. I don't have the skill set. There's no way I could be a leader. But what you just said is that moment, you're absolutely right. That momentary adaptation of, of being able to read the situation, which again, goes back to that high EQ that is necessary 
And that's not being in. And I think it's important to, to point out too, that that's not being inauthentic. I right. Think, I think that that is at the core of, at the core of this is self-awareness, which, which is what your mission, what I, what I see Wired Within is so good at is helping me yes. understand who I am. And self-awareness is so critical to leadership. I can't emphasize that enough. I mean, the more that you know about yourself, which again goes to the emotional quotient piece, the more that you're able to read the situation and i.e. adapt, improvise and adapt for that moment. I, right. I, I love what you said. Yeah, that was great. You know, I tell people uh, quite often, uh, you don't really ever get the opportunity to see another person for who they are. Right. You're really always looking at that person through the lens of yourself. Yeah. So if you don't know how to subtract yourself from what you see, you never get to see the other person. And I'll tell you what happens to people because I've had them come back to me after they learn this skill is they'll be talking with someone. The person will say something that's frustrating to them or hurtful to them or however they were, they respond to it negatively. They subtract themselves from the equation and the other person's comment suddenly looks reasonable. Mm-hmm. And if you can fully subtract yourself from an engagement, the other person's actions will always look reasonable because they took them, unless they're crazy, for reasonable purposes. Well, this puts conflict, conflict resolution, communications, team building. It takes all of these functions and puts them at a whole nother level. It changes everything. If I can understand me mm-hmm. and I can understand other kinds of people with other skill mixes and maturity levels and personalities, if I can understand all of that variance and I can subtract myself from the equation, I can now understand all of those business disciplines or organizational disciplines from a different perspective. Suddenly, the other choices that the people are making look reasonable. Mm -hmm. And you know how to translate your perspective into their language. Right. And when you can do that, you can shape the ethics of another person. You can shape that maturity ethics part of them. You can actually make the needle move up in maturity. Yeah, because the reality is everybody's, you know, struggling. Everybody's focused on their selves. And even though the person that's communicating with me may seem dysfunctional, Okay, remove myself from it, see where they're coming from, which again is the is the ultimate in in EQ, the empathetic piece of putting myself and trying to see where they're coming from. You can kind of strip through the noise and see exactly what they're where it's coming from, and it's usually probably coming from some fear based or losing turf or something. And if you understand that, yeah, you can see how their points making sense. And now that you know that, then you can communicate more effectively and, like you said, move the needle. Yes. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I guess the thing, the, the challenge is, 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 you know, it's even kind of embarrassing to admit he's, as I approach 50, you know, starting to figure this out just now instead of in my 20s. If you could figure this stuff out in your 20s, is it possible, do you think? Well, you I mean, know. it's almost like you got to get enough salt underneath you and, and enough falling on your face and 
enough gray hairs to start to kind of start gaining that wisdom. I mean, I don't think you ever stop. I would love to say people are willing to learn the easy way, <laughs> right? Uh, but you know, Confucius would say that, that that is the noblest way to learn. Yeah. Uh, to learn from the wisdom of those who have gone before you. But uh, most people choose to learn from experience and the gray hair. I, I will say it is possible I've seen some very, very mature young people. I would go down so far as to say in the mid twenties, I've seen people that are eights and nines on the maturity Mm -hmm. spectrum. The question for them is, will they stay there? Yeah. Uh, Because that that needle moves up and down. Yeah. It's easy to get, it's easy to get sidetracked. Well, I love what you guys are doing. I mean, I I think, when I saw you speak, the thing that resonated with me the most was this kind of need of um, self-awareness, self-discovery, which is really the, the keystone, I think, to effective leadership. And it sounds like that's what drives you and your business. Um, I don't know. Educate me a little more on Wired Within. Wired Within is really about helping people understand who they are, how they interact with other people and the impact they have on organizations. So it's three parts. It's a personalized perspective so that you understand you better. People with lots of internal anxiety and lots of uh, emotional pain internally, and they're constantly hitting roadblocks in their life, they generally speaking do not understand themselves well. So we first work to create clarity there. Each person has a set of key relationships. When those relationships don't work well, they don't work well. And so the second thing that we go after is understanding those people and understanding how your natural interactions with those people create the frustrations, the combat, the um, distance, that they experience and how to make that better, how to interact in a different way, in a way that's more feeding uh, to the strengths and weaknesses in the other person, a more accommodating of the perspectives that other people have and really helping create deep levels of unity in those relationships. The third thing we look at is when you add tasks to relationships, what happens now your success and failure at a task impacts another person. So now we're really looking at organizational impact. You know, I say this all the time. It really doesn't matter what I think of me. It matters what you think of me. Mm -hmm. Because I could think I'm the most compassionate person on the planet, but if I can't find one person in the whole universe that agrees with me, I'm probably just deluded. Right. Perception is reality. My perception is my reality. So here I am. I'm thinking I'm a compassionate sort of person, but I can't find anybody to agree with me. (laughs) Most of the people around me think, well, you know, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that about you, Vinny. Right. I would have to say I I probably don't have an accurate self-perception there. And which means the things that I'm doing that I think are compassionate, none of my key relationships think those things are compassionate. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like the guy who tells a joke and nobody laughs. Right. He's not funny. I don't care how funny he thinks he is. Mm -hmm. 
Nobody else thinks he's funny. Then you look at the impact that has on an organization. So here I am thinking I'm a warm, compassionate person and I'm in a sales position in a job and my customers really can't stand interacting with me. Now I deliver for them because I'm kind of a jerk and push people and I get them their materials when they want their materials and that's the way it is. And yet I'm wearing everybody in the organization out because I don't listen to personal needs. I don't understand how to restate things more kindly. See, see how the impact happens. Yeah. And eventually that customer, he can get that service from somebody that's easier to deal with. So he moves on to another company and I never see it coming. And I say it's, I blame it off on the cost of our product or our speed of delivery or some other thing. So the organization is now trying to fix something that isn't even a problem. They're trying to fix speed of delivery when speed of delivery was never the problem. Right. So we talk about this organizational impact that comes when we don't understand ourselves well and we can't make key relationships function well. I mean, sitting there talking about it at speed zero, it makes absolute perfect sense. You're absolutely right. I mean, it all goes back to the self-awareness piece, understanding who I am, knowing my strengths, knowing my weaknesses, betting on my strengths, exercising that EQ muscle, getting my relationships right. Now I can start to be an effective impact, or I can be an effect, more effective impact within the organization. Yes. It all starts with ourselves and knowing who we are. And you're right. And you look at most dysfunction in any organization or dysfunctional leadership. You know, those first two are probably like the, the self-awareness and the relationship piece is probably jacked up in some aspect. Well, there goes the challenge, I guess, for you as a, as a business is like, how do you convince, how do you convince those leaders in organization to focus on that soft skill side, that EQ side? Because I, I mean, that can, I, I know I've been met with tremendous resistance when I started talking about I, I equate it down to love and fear. And I, and when I would talk about it at work and even in the work, when I was in leadership organizations and button heads with the CEO and I said, look, you either make it a love decision or a fear decision. And the fact I even brought the word love up was like, you thought I would, you know, that I was, you know, doing something. That you were soft. They are soft. Yeah. Right? Soft. You know, I don't got time yeah, for that. You know, don't be soft. It's not about loving those employees. Right. And he, you know, then he'd hand me another wiffle ball bat and tell me to go make things happen. Right. Uh-huh. I love what you do, Vinny. I think, I, you know, I, I love um, what Wired Within stands for. I love what you stand for, the, the whole idea of the self-awareness and the relationship. And it is about love. I mean, when you get down to it, and I don't mean love in the squishy sense, like how you love your puppy or even your kids, but the love of taking action. And that means, because it's a loving act to sit there and kind of remove yourself from the situation, put yourself in the in the fire and take you know, not take things personal and try to see where this other person's coming from and embrace their kind of pain, dysfunction and insecurities. Right. I mean, that's really what we're doing. You know, it's a wonderful thing to work with a person and have them really quite, you know, when, when you first meet them, they're really questioning, can I lead? Can I make this happen? Uh, I had, I remember this one story where I had a guy come to me and he says, look, I'm a level two on the goal score on your assessment. Can I really be a leader? Can I lead this a new venture? And I said, this, this particular assessment doesn't measure whether or not you can lead. It tells you how you lead best. But I can tell you there's an expectation 
in body dynamics, group dynamics, when you get 30 to 50 people together, all of a sudden they drop their individualized perspectives and they take up a corporately held set of expectations. And I said, you will have to learn how to shift into that gear. It will be tiresome. It will leave you exhausted. You will only be able to do it for short periods of time. And then you'll have to put lots of individual contribution between those moments because you're really good at individual contributing. You're even good at some management skills. But when it comes to leadership skills, you're going to have to shift gears, learn to adapt. And the reason that you're going to do that is because you really want to lead. So if you really want to lead, I'm going to show you how and you're going to have to do it. Well, he now leads an organization that has uh, upwards of 400 people in it and they're going strong and he's a level two goal scorer, but yeah, which the, the people would call an introverted right. or um, yeah, they would call that an introverted leader. But he had the desire and the willingness yes. to lead. And if he didn't have that self-awareness piece, which was critical. You know, and it's embracing who you are, I think, too, you know, embracing and being comfortable with it, that, that that's this is the lane that I'm strongest in. But then having the, the confidence and, and the courage to shift to other lanes when required and understanding that, like you just said, yep. OK, you, this is going to exhaust you. This is going to be a little tiresome, but you can do it. Yeah. And I my personal passion is to see that transformational moment. Yeah. To have that person look back and say. Oh my gosh, I didn't think I could. I did. And to have that stemming right out of their personal maturity, their willingness to sacrifice for the good of the organization. Yeah. Um, that's that's my reward. Yeah. That's I, why I'm in this business. That's great. And I and love the that. The challenge for us is explaining all of this to other people. Yeah. I mean, I've been talking to you for 15 minutes. You got a background in it and you love it. Yeah. But when you have someone come up to you and say, what do you do? Well, <laughs> I'm a psychometric consultant. That means nothing. That means nothing. Right. You know, how do you say, well, I help you understand yourself better. Yeah. Well, why would I pay for that? Right. No, I get it. I understand that. It's not until they're in the middle of their pain. Mm -hmm. do they want to see the way out. Yeah. Well, I love it. I think you're doing great work. Uh, I love what Wired Within stands for. Um, I mean, you're speaking my language. I'm proud to call you part of the Dose of Leadership Tribe. It's gl I'm glad to have you on this show and this, and this, uh, this Thank you. great conversation. How can people find more about you and get in touch with you? Well, we are, we have a website, wiredwithinyou.com, and they can connect through that, uh, or they can send us email to the organization, uh, vincent.gerace at wiredwithinyou.com. I'll have links to this on the post and I'll share. Or they can call. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll have the phone number too. Do you want to put the phone number out there now? Sure, 316-927-4255. Uh, all right, again, I'll have all this information on the post. Vinny, it's such an honor to have you on the show. Thank you for coming on. I look forward to staying in touch Thank with you, you, especially since uh, we're local. Um, I love to, uh, to, to meet with you more often. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Bye-bye.
Hey, thanks for tuning into the show. Go to richardryerson.com or doseofleadership.com and fill out the contact page and reach out to me. Let me know where you're at your leadership journey. Also, if you want access to my brand new online leadership course to help become a better leader, go to legacyleaderblueprint.com. Fill out your email and you gain access to a free 12-minute video that will reveal the top secrets of leadership and also show you how you can gain access, exclusive access to my online leadership course. That's legacyleaderblueprint.com. Hope to see you on the inside. Thanks for tuning into the show.